Welcome to Living Water Radio. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to bad people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do good things happen to good people? They're all really the same question. Today we're going to find out what that question is and how Jesus gives us the answer. My name is Pastor David Burkettall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian church, Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ, ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. The question that all the others point to is, why is the world the way it is? And more specifically, why is the world the way it is toward me? Sometimes people ask, why do the innocent suffer? Or why do children get cancer? Or why don't the good people always get rewarded and the bad people always get punished? When people ask these questions, it's usually to express their frustration at what they see as an injustice in the world particularly when they believe it is an injustice against them. Part of the problem with this frustration is, as one of my philosophy professors once observed, that most of the world's evil, and probably all of its worst evil, is done by people who sincerely believe in their heart of hearts that they are doing good. I've never heard someone ask, why is someone bad like me always having good things happening to them? There are two biblical answers. The first is that the world isn't the way it's supposed to be. The second is that God is God and you're not. And Jesus offers them by giving two examples from what many scholars believe were real events. We see them in Luke 13, verses 1 through 5. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those eighteen who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Jesus begins with an outrage. Galileans, people from Jesus' home region, had come to Jerusalem to do the right thing, to offer their animal sacrifices at the temple. And Pilate's forces, probably thinking them to be freedom fighters or terrorists, had them slaughtered in the temple, mingling their blood with the blood of their sacrifices, a sacrilege and an outrage. How could such a thing happen, especially in the temple? The Tower of Siloam, near the pool where Jesus did healing, was under construction. There was an accident, and 18 people were killed. How could such a thing happen to them? People believe that if you were good, you would be blessed in this life, and if bad things happened to you, you were being punished for your sins, or maybe for the sins of your ancestors. 
Did these things happen because the people they happened to were worse sinners and offenders than other people? No, Jesus said. So why do things like this happen? First, let's look at the problem. Then, let's look at what God has done and finally will do to fix the problem. To do that, we have to go back, all the way back, to the beginning, where we learn that things are not the way they are supposed to be. In the beginning, God created everything out of nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean nothing. I think that when most people imagine nothing, they imagine empty space. Try imagining no space. No matter, no time, no space. It's impossible to wrap our heads around that. It's mind-blowing. Human beings only encounter nature, the natural world, in time and space. Things have substance. Everything has a beginning, a middle, and an end. But God started from nothing. Nothing. God created everything that exists as an act of God's will. God spoke and it came to be. There's an old story about the devil challenging God to a test of power. The devil says, The Bible says that you created humans from the dust of the earth. So what? I can do that. And as he leans down to scoop up some dust, God says, Whoa, make your own dust. If the universe was created with the Big Bang, where did that exploding mass come from? Can something come from nothing? For God, all things are possible. God made us. God made us for a living relationship with God, unlike anything else in creation. And God made us to be good managers and caretakers of everything else. But for our yes to that living relationship to be real, we had to have the real ability to say no. And we did and evil entered the world. We are the rebellious children of God. We belong to God, and God loves us even when our deeds are evil. God's desire and God's will is that we, the children of God, return to that living relationship with the one true living God, the relationship for which we were created, and live in accord with that relationship. When everybody but Noah and his family forgot about God, God destroyed humanity, but saved Noah and his family, and started over. When people built a tower to reach into heaven as a monument to their greatness and to overcome God, God destroyed the tower and confused their languages. When the world, except for one couple, Abraham and Sarah, then known as Abram and Sari, forgot about God, God did not destroy it, but built a great nation from their faith, so that that nation, the nation of Israel, might proclaim God and be a blessing to the nations. God liberated that nation from its slavery in Egypt. People still did not return to God. God gave them the law in order that they might know what a relationship with God looked like, and they mostly ignored it. God sent prophets, priests, and kings to the people of God. They, like the law, had virtually no effect, at least not for long. But God gave them the promise that a great Messiah, a liberator, a redeemer would arise as a suffering servant. Then God went silent for 300 years. And then the Messiah appeared in Jesus Christ. 
But the people expected someone to liberate them from the Roman Empire that had, like many empires before them, occupied the land that God had given to Israel. So when Jesus announced that he had instead come to liberate them from the effects of everything that separated them from God and to restore them to the living relationship with God for which they had been created, their leaders balked. And when the Romans saw him as a threat to public order, they conspired to crucify him. But Jesus was fully God and fully human. They didn't take his life. He gave it, and his death was the means by which the forgiveness of our sin, what separated us from God, was accomplished, and the relationship was restored not because human beings restored it, but because God took our punishment and restored that relationship at the cross. Our acceptance of that gift and our baptism means that we are now all adopted. We are now children of God. We are connected, and we belong not by our actions, but by God's. But evil still enters the world. It continues to enter when we say no to God. And that brings us to the second answer. God is God, and you're not. This is the message to those who judge God who believe that they are more compassionate than God, who by their beliefs say that if they were God, they would do a much better job, whose lives are defined by sin, separation from God. Sin is like the guy who owns a factory that produces toxic waste. He has a problem. If he fixes it by building a facility or sending it to one that can neutralize the toxic waste, his bottom line will be negatively affected. His compensation, his workers' compensation, and his shareholders' compensation will all be negatively affected. But if he dumps it in the river behind his factory at night and no one finds out, his bottom line will be positively affected. His compensation, his workers' compensation, and his shareholders' compensation will all be positively affected. Everyone is happy and he sleeps well at night. But downstream, people drink that water or cook with it or water their crops with it and its poisons are absorbed into food and people eat that food. Eventually, people die. They don't know why. Sin is like that. Paul says in his letter to the church at Rome in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The world is not the way it's supposed to be. God is God and we're not. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does anything happen to anybody? Jesus' answer is that we also must repent, or we will die like those in the temple and at the construction site, unprepared. Repentance isn't just saying we're sorry. Repentance is to stop dumping our toxic waste. It means a change of heart, of going in the other direction, toward God instead of away from God. What about the sins that we justify, or the ones of which we are not aware? Ultimately, we are saved by grace. It is, as Paul says, the free gift of God. This does not mean we are off the hook. We seek to serve others, to love them, and to build people up, particularly any that we have harmed, because we love them, because we want to. We do what we do in response to what we have been given, not to get it. Therefore, fix the problem, not the blame. 
That is God's answer to our sin, the way that evil enters the world, the cross. Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccines and the booster, because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer sometime today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship service they have available and support your church financially so that it will be fully functioning as we move now out of the variants and back into the new normal. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. They're trying to find their footing. They're trying to keep everybody happy. You know how impossible that is. Support them. Pray for them. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody, contact a friend or a relative, Google a local national hotline, talk with a professional, reach out. You are not alone. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time and into the light. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly, get your vaccine. It's the one thing you can do to keep lowering the curve and to literally save lives. Do it for the sake of others. Avoid crowds if you can, and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. We all struggle in some way. Be a helper and an encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.